Real stories. Real stories. Real people. I just can't believe it. It was one of the most exciting times of my life. It's just, I just can't believe that it happened to me. Me winning the lottery. I just can't believe it. Real stories. Real stories. Real people. Winning the premiership was awesome. Felt great holding the trophy. So it happened when I was 15 and it was pretty scary at the time, but you know, looking back, I, I think I learned a lot. It's my life. Hello, good afternoon and welcome to It's My Life, where we talk to local people and hear some of their incredible stories about their lives. I'm Karenza and I'm joined as always by my co-host Kim. Hi, Karenza. How are you today, Kim? Good, thank you. Fantastic. Well, I'm very excited because our special local guest tonight is Kerry Graham. Now, Kerry is a former Australian national ski water champion with a stellar career, culminating in representing Australia at the World Championships before she retired from competition aged only 28. So welcome to the show this afternoon, Kerry. Thanks, Karenza. It's lovely to be here. Great to have you too. So um, growing up in a family of champions, Kerry found a passion for water skiing at a very young age. At just six, Kerry would be out on the boat with her parents and siblings as they would ski Lake Charm and Lake Boga. Kerry's father was a great water skier and he also played AFL football for Richmond. Kerry started out in tournament skiing in slalom, trick and jump. And when she was only 15, she watched her brother ski in a speed race. And from then on, she was hooked on race skiing. She turned to her father on that day and said, I want to do that. And she did, winning race after race as a junior in the sport, claiming state titles and aged just 17, going on to become Australia's national champion. And then at 22, she represented the nation at the world titles before she retired from competition racing when she was just 28. She then made a comeback two years later in the over 30s category and of course she won the national title in that age group too. Kerry has skied all over the world including uh, skiing in the opening ceremony of the Seoul Olympics. She's also skied many times at Moomba and was even a performer at SeaWorld on the Gold Coast. And her love of the sport didn't end there. Kerry has been passionately involved in the sport at a grassroots community level, helping to create some wonderful water sport facilities right here in Patterson Lakes. Whilst juggling her amazing water skiing career, Kerry has also worked as a primary school teacher full-time and she's gone on to become a school principal for more than 17 years. So to chat to us this afternoon about her career in water skiing, her passion for the local community, is the incredibly inspiring Kerry uh, Richie or Kerry Graham, we can probably call you both. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have you, Kerry. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning. You talk about growing up in a family of champions. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Um, I'm the oldest of four children. I had three brothers younger than me uh, along the way, and we we're a very close knit family with all of our sports. We um, not only water skied, but we played basketball. I played netball. We learnt tennis. We of course, had to learn to swim at a very young age. Um, so always been a sporting family, but a highly competitive one. Being the only girl, I had to keep up with the boys. So I guess that's what pushed me along the way. Yeah, keep up and beat them. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so being as part of, I guess, that kind of sense of family of champions that like we had at the start, that your dad obviously played footy for Richmond and things as well. Um, 
Were there expectations that you would grow up and be equally as sporty or was it just something that, you know, you just loved and enjoyed? No, just something that I loved and enjoyed. Um, We were always given an opportunity to do just whatever we wanted to do. Um, But I guess sport was just part of our life. We're all very competitive Um, But I was also very hyperactive when I was very young. So I was climbing out of the cot and running away at eight months of age. So um, (laughs) I was physically even strong as a baby, I guess you could say. So it's held me in good stead. Daphne would have held you in good stead. Fantastic. You started skiing at the age of only six as well. So was that something that just came naturally to you and how did that happen? Yeah, it did come naturally. Um, I think we were down at Lake Tyres at the time um, camping. We used to, Dad used to drag us all over the, the state, not just Lake Boger and Lake Charm, but all over for, for skiing. And um, I think just having been in the boat since I was born, really, and Dad also boat raced. So um, we, I don't know, I just said, it's my turn, and away I went. So it went from there. So you're six, you're six, six years old yes. and you've stuck on the, you put the water skis on and you've kind of gone behind the boat and taken off? Yes, basically. <laughs> um, the children in this day and age have a, a lot different opportunity for skiing because there's all of this equipment now, whereas it used to be just jump in the water, put two skis on and away you go. No skis tied together or uh, knee boards or anything to start you off, so... It was just sink or swim, basically. <laughs> yeah, and they swim. also had all those, they have all the ski parks and everything around now that they didn't have back then as well. That's right. Mm. It was very, very basic in those days. So you started at six. When did you know that you were good? I mean, not just good, good, but like really good. When did, when did that kind of become obvious to you? Um, I guess mum and dad started putting me in ski schools when I was about 12, I think. Um, the week before Christmas, I think it was to get me out of the house, um, once school holidays started, before we went on our summer vacation, um, and I'd go to Bridgewater and, um, and be trained in slalom trick and jump um, for, for a week, so they were week ski schools. That would have been amazing. Yeah, so a lot of fun. Yeah. I know Bridgewater well. We used to drive through there on the way to Lake Charm as well. Yeah. Also, Bridgewater's in Victoria. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to understand what your life was like at a very young age getting into that, you know, sport. And, um, you know, it's a big commitment for a young girl. What kind of training mm. regime did you did you have? Um, once I started ski racing, I had to keep the fitness levels up, probably more so than for tournament skiing in mm-hmm. a way. Um, so when I was at the peak of my racing, I was working full time as a school teacher and then leaving school, going straight to the gym for two to three hours a night. And then um, weekends racing. So I was racing about 40 weekends of the year out of 52 weeks. That's a lot of racing. So a lot of racing and a lot of travelling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so you have to explain the difference to me, right, because I'm not really a water skier, unsurprisingly. Um, so trick, slalom, racing, they're three different things. Very different, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so is... slalom, trick and jump are three disciplines in tournament skiing, okay. which they do on the Yarra. And then you've got speed skiing, ski rate, which is ski racing. So you're racing, the faster you go, the more chance you've got of winning. So it's outright speed. Wow. Or hurting mm. yourself. Or hurting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so um, so you're doing all of this as a, as a young kid, learning all these things. So you were doing tricks and jumps as a young kid. Yeah. That's yes. incredible. Yeah. And your, your parents mm. were like, yep, just go for it. Absolutely. They were very in- encouraging. Um they were always sort of updating the ski boat and um, 
updating our equipment when they could afford to. Um, it's very expensive sport for you know a family with six, and uh, mum wasn't mum was sort of the home homemaker, so to speak. Mm. So mum would um, pick us up on a Friday afternoon from school. She'd have the car loaded. Dad would get home from work and off we'd go skiing for the weekend. So did everyone ski, all of you? The whole family, yes. So your, your brothers My well. brothers all skied, yes. So my youngest was two when he started. Two? Yeah. That's crazy. And, and how old was he when he started uh, skiing slalom? He was three. That's amazing. That's mm. one ski, Carenza. Oh, that's one ski. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'm starting yeah. to understand. So I'm thinking about so schooling and all of those things. You know, you're going to school, you're doing all – we're going to come on a bit later to, you know, I suppose being professional in the sport and getting into tournaments and things. But how, yeah. did, how did that go with school? Was, were those, did those things manage to all kind of come together? Or? Oh, not always. Um, skiing came first <laughs> right, right through our education. It was um, – mum felt that education was important but so was sport. And I think for a healthy mind um, and to keep you active and keep you going um, – so I, I can remember the story of when I was doing my um, VCE, which was HSC in those days, and um, I had a, a very important or bridge-to-bridge ski race in Sydney. So um, mum and dad for the first time flew me up instead of us all driving up and I flew back Sunday night and had my English exams Monday morning. <laughs> that was for VCE <laughs> too. For VCE, yeah. yeah. So Incredible. does that show you where my priorities were? <laughs> a lot of yeah. juggling. A lot, a of, lot juggling. of Aussie yeah. families are like that. Sport oh, yeah. comes first. Absolutely. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. So we're going to play some of your favourite tracks as well as we sort of talk throughout the afternoon. So you've chosen um, The Final Countdown by Europe. Yes. What is it about that track that's a special song? Um, we called it our, our pre-show music, um, when, which we'll get into later, but I, I then went on to do uh, show skiing and we had um, the final countdown was sort of to let everybody know that the show was about to start, so it's sort of our pre, pre-show music. Beautiful. Great yeah. song. Well, let's have a listen. This is Europe and the final countdown. If you're the caraway, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Real estate. Oh yeah, a little real estate. We want more. Who done it? One take. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Caram. Tune in and enjoy. And you are listening to Radio Caram. It's my life. Well, Kim and I are chatting this afternoon to Kerry Graham about her career and life in uh, the water skiing world. I think is how I might describe <laughs> that. So, um Welcome back, everyone. So we're just talking really about um, what what it's like. And um, so at the age of 17, we've heard a bit about, you know, your childhood. You won your very first state title. Can you tell us a bit about what it means to be, mm. what, the state champion? Um, it meant a lot to me at that stage because it sort of validated that I was on the right track with my racing. And um, 
there were a couple of girls who were pretty tough to beat, so I was pretty happy to, to beat them. And, um, yeah, that was my first state title. Uh, state, yeah, state title. And then um, it also got me selection for the Victorian team for the Nationals. So in the break we were just chatting away and what was interesting, you know, I was saying, you know, is this a, is it, was it a professional, is it a professional career? And you were saying, actually, no, this was, everything was amateur and you had to fund all of these things yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is why I worked full time. Uh, and um, at that stage, well, I was mainly funded by my mum and dad, I have to say. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty difficult for them. There were then two of us ski racing um, and you pay your entry fee. Um, I was lucky with the boats that I was skiing behind. They didn't ask for any extra funds. Sometimes skiers have to pay for the fuel. Wow, um, that's good. Yeah, so mm. I was pretty lucky in that respect. Absolutely, because that can be very expensive, the fuel. Yeah, mm. but the the expense too was the travelling because the races were all over Victoria in those days. So mm. it was a lot of weekends away. That mm. would be. So state champion. So then you went on to the nationals and you became national champion. I did. How yes. fantastic. And yeah. now I believe you did 12 state titles, was that right? 12 state titles, 12 nationals, 12 bridge-to-bridge ski races, yeah, basically everything for 12 years. And tell me how many mm. you, you won. I have no idea. I'm sure you probably <laughs> won them all. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, um, you've probably won 12 states, yeah? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> unless, the, unless the boat broke down. Yeah, that's, that's right. always a possibility. And I dare say there's, there's quite a few nationals in there as well. Yeah. So that's all self-funded too. So then if you go into the Nationals and it's, I don't know, in the Northern Territory, you'd have to make your own way? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Find your own accommodation. Yeah. Um, We did get subsidised when we had the Nationals in Perth. So um, I worked really hard on that one because that was out my husband and my honeymoon. Oh, wow. Um, in January, so uh-huh. we got married in December. So we both had to get on the state team so we could afford right. to fly we over and have it. a honeymoon. Fantastic. <laughs> so then when you were just 18, you went to the USA as part of the Australian team. So you actually got picked to represent your country, which is incredible. Yeah. And you raced in the American series. So there you are, you know. Um, how did it feel, I guess, for that very first time to be picked to represent your country? Mm. Probably a bit overwhelming. Um my brother had been the previous year and um, so that's whatever bar he sets, I've got to beat it. So yeah. There's the family <laughs> I, competition Absolutely. Um, but it was an amazing experience. There's just so much money in those days in ski racing in America compared to Australia. So all the matching boats with their big camper UV um, RV where they stay on site and wow. just meeting so many different people, different lakes and... Yeah. So, so this was an Australian team. It was an Australian team. Put together team. by what, like Sport Australia? The Australian Water Ski Association, wow. Ski Racing Division. And so did they actually fund this one? Was this funded for you guys? No. Oh, <laughs> wow. This, no, this you is fund mind-blowing. It. <laughs> so you're representing your country, yeah. but you have to fund it yourself. Yes. Wow. Yes. Talking about yeah. the money, was uh, you know you, you spent so much um, uh, to do the sport. Was there money coming in? Like, did you actually win any money? No, you? there was no money. Okay, prize money. There was just trophies. Uh, and I dare say so. you've got a lot of trophies, which and I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Which I believe you've since donated. We've donated them back to the Water Ski Association so they could be reused. We ended up with, in Mum and Dad's house. There was over three hundred trophies between the four of us. So. Yes, we were a bit overcrowded with trophies. <laughs> we kept all our favourite 
favourite ones that really yeah. meant something special to us, but yeah. we donated the rest back. And then it must have been pretty awesome to have um, been asked to be part of the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games in Seoul. Tell us, um, yeah. tell us a bit about that. Well, that's a sort of a, an extra story because once I, um, I was actually doing some show skiing while I was ski racing and um, eventually when I gave up racing, I decided to spend more time on show skiing. So it was actually a show ski um, team who went over for the Olympics and we, did the, we performed on the Hun River next to the Olympic Stadium and they crossed live over to the river for our show and it was an hour-long show as part of the ceremony. How cool. Mm. How amazing. And what was yeah. it like actually being in the kind of, I suppose, where the Olympics were happening Atmosphere. and seeing it all? You've shown us some really yeah. amazing photographs of it, but, you know, yeah. yeah. What was what did it? What was? It oh, like? it was incredible. I think um, Seoul being such a, a, a high, um, large population, there were so many, there was literally hundreds of thousands of people on the banks to watch the show um, because they couldn't get into the stadium, get tickets into the stadium. So, you know, full credit to the organisation that they decided they wanted to cater for the everyday people who wanted to get, see, yeah. be a part of it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, an extraordinary experience. Biggest crowd you've ever skied in front of? Absolutely. Was it, was it scary? Did you feel the extra pressure? Or? Um, not really, not once you start, um, but security was absolutely massive. Um, I think that was a bit daunting because I'm, I was thinking, what are they expecting to happen <laughs> yeah. as there are um, the armies marching around with their submachine guns and in the yeah, crowds? That would be a bit and, scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, so you know, very, very high security, which is important for any Olympics. But um, met lots of athletes and yeah, had a really good time. And, and that would have been back in the day without selfies, wouldn't it? So it we wouldn't boy, have had yes. no smartphones back no, then. Can you believe it? So I know. None of those kind of selfie pictures to none show. None at all. None Way at all. Way before technology. And you stayed yeah. in the Olympic Village. We did. Yeah. We stayed in the Olympic Village. Now, is that all it's cracked up to be? Because I believe it's uh, there's a lot of parties in the Olympic Village, especially amongst the Australians <laughs> who, we're, you know, we're renowned uh, for parties. Yes. Um, I'll say I didn't see a th- I didn't see a thing. <laughs> But it was quite. It's a it's a village uh, like a city on its own, really. Yeah. Um. And all the restaurants were where you ate was underground mm-hmm. because the the place had been built, um, purpose built for um, apartment living after the Olympics. So the underground was all the car park. Wow. Um. It would eventually be a car park, but they um you could get any nationality of food you wanted at any time of the day or night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How cool! And there was hairdressers and post office and. Yeah, it was just amazing. So you're doing all of this, all of these things, but at the same time you, you actually still have to work full-time and hold down a job. That's right, yes. You told me a little story about that once when you were um, at Teachers College. Do you want to...? Oh, yes. Um, when I went to America, yeah. I had my first year at Teachers College and um, when I was selected for the Australian team, I hadn't, I'd only been at the college for six months and I had no idea who to ask for leave or what you do. So I got my friends to just sign into my lectures for me for six weeks and they didn't know I'd gone. That's terrific. So. I love it. <laughs> That's a wicked story, isn't it? Yeah. I love that story. So I had a lot of catching up to do when I got back though, assignment-wise, yeah. but yeah. yeah, they were none the wiser that I'd been gone for six weeks. Fantastic. Because <laughs> there's a lot of things to juggle, isn't it, you know? So like you, you basically you've got, I suppose almost two careers, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, you're water skiing champion, you're doing all of these things. And on the other hand, you're training and learning to become a teacher and then going on and teaching, you know, yep, that's and right. they're quite 
dramatically different, aren't they? They are very, very different. <laughs> um, probably, though, I think my sport has held me a good stead with my teaching, particularly um, having to be organised. I never left at the end of the day from school until I was, unless I was ready to go the next day. And it was also because I didn't know if I would come back injured and not be able to do something at school <laughs> yeah. or need a day or two off. So I was very mindful to be extremely organised, mm. had to organise my life to the nth degree. And you said as a family mm. as well, you were very competitive. You know, at that time, you know, we'll come on to the World Championships later, but did you, did you have a goal? Did you have something that you, you know, in this sport, this is something I want to achieve? Um Initially, it was about winning nationals. Um, Bridge to Bridge was always a very prestigious event to win. So they were sort of my two goals. But then they introduced the world titles, um, which was two years before I went to the Worlds. And my brother was actually on the team for the first Worlds. It, di- it didn't hadn't been on my radar, really. Um, and he was racing all the time in Sydney. So... Um, he had a better opportunity to be selected. Mm. So once I found out he was going, well, I had to go. Yeah, so absolutely. I had to work hard to get on the next team. <laughs> I love it. We're going to come back and talk about the Worlds after um, after this next song. So again, we're talking about some of your favourite tracks and favourite music and you've selected um, Guy Sebastian's Choir. Mm. Tell us a bit about this song. I did. I think it's a beautiful song and um, I guess it reminds me my husband passed away um, Two, nearly two years ago now and it, every time I hear it I think of him and um, I think it was almost written for him so yeah it's beautiful to have a really yeah. uh, special memory like that isn't it yeah well let's play this fantastic song this is Guy Sebastian's Choir you are listening to um, Radio Karam, um and It's My Life Hi I'm Freddie from Freddie's Kitchen let's get behind Radio Karam. go Karam. Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street For a coffee and something nice to eat Yeah, the pizzas are great In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's Caram in Station Street Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now It's a pizza It's a mystic pizza you are listening to Radio Karen. Freddie's one of my favourite places to go for coffee and pizza, and I know yours too, Kim. Absolutely. They make a great pasta as well. They do indeed. And you could also become a station sponsor and have a fabulous jingle sung just for you too, just like that. That's, I reckon, one of the best ones that we have here. <laughs> but we're certainly having fun this afternoon. We're having a chat to uh, Kerry Graham about her, her whole life, really. Um, and um, we've been talking about travelling around the world and seeing the world um, through uh, water skiing and now we're going to chat a bit about the world championships as well so um you know we've we understand that you've already represented australia on many occasions um then the big one of course was the world championships so this was something that was new they'd just been um i suppose created by the water ski is it the water ski association yes or the, yes the international the, the international and so here, here we go then, the um, the championships from around the world and your mm. brother had gone two years ago and then it's your go. So you, you managed to get yourself into the team. Tell us about that. I did. That was the competitive streak in me again. Um, my brother 
was uh, racing pretty well full-time in Sydney, so he had a good opportunity for selection. Um, the criteria was that you had to attend special race meetings to be considered for selection, and that was very difficult when you're working full-time. And yeah. most of the events were in New South Wales, around Sydney. Um, so financially, we just couldn't manage it. Um, but then I decided that, that if my brother's going... I want to go next time. So, <laughs> and it. he actually won the world title. So oh, wow. I thought, okay, I've got to be in this. Wow, what a family yeah. of legends you guys are! <laughs> so, I um, I started working really hard. Um, lots of spending a lot of time at the gym, training on weekends when I wasn't racing, and um, they actually made it a bit easier for the next worlds because they found they had excluded people from other states. So there were some selection races in um, Victoria. One, for example, was off St Kilda Marina behind offshore powerboats um, where we drew for boats. So it wasn't just the team with the, the most money really yeah, okay. and the fastest boat. Um, they brought it back to, to sort of a level of skiing ability which made it a lot easier for me. So, um, yeah, I travelled to Sydney a lot and I raced around Victoria as well and was selected for the world titles. Wow. So um, I'm guessing that you don't take your boat overseas with you. How, what happens with the boat? Yeah, That's what, a good question. Yeah, what they did was um, the men, all all their boats went, um, but not the women, which is typical, isn't it? Absolutely. So, so it was much more prestigious to be towing a man than it was a woman, <laughs> apparently. So um, all of the boats were shipped over there for the, the men's events, um, but we were... Um, the worlds were in Italy, so I had an Italian driver and boat owner um, and had my own observer. Wow. So I'll go back a step a minute. So when you're in the – I'm curious, like in the gym, yeah. what do you do? What's the training that you have to do Like as you're preparing now to go to Italy, to go to this world championship without your own boat as well, which I reckon must be harder. Yeah, it was pretty difficult. Um so working out at the gym was, um, I just start with bike riding, lots of stretching and then lots of weight work, um, particularly upper legs and your upper body had to be really, really strong mm. um, because the women's races were 45 minutes plus a lap. So it's a long way when you're travelling at 80, 90 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah, which is what in kilometres? 150? Yeah, pretty fast. Wow, yeah, it's pretty very, fast. very yeah. fast. Come yeah, yeah. that speed and you'd know it, that's yeah. for sure. So um, with your um, your preparation, did you ski out in the bay at all? I did. So mm-hmm. right through winter, um, once I was selected, the, the event was in September. So it's the end of our winter, which makes it very difficult. And so um, my husband's father had a ski race boat. And so we were members at Beaumaris Motor Yacht Squadron and on weekends we'd put the boat in and I'd ski from Beaumaris down to Sorrento and back in the bay in the middle of winter. (laughs) You wouldn't want to come off, would you? It was the most miserable time of my life. (laughs) Yeah, and not to mention, I mean, it's not smooth sailing either. It would be very bumpy as well. Very rough, but that's what what you need for training um, is the rough water because um, they're they're big courses but they can blow up and, and you can have quite large waves. So you've got to be well trained in rough water so you'd have to have really what strong quads yes. and arms as well Very and, much. and your abs i would think would have to be because you know i mean i couldn't i couldn't balance to save my life on anything yeah. so but like to actually stay upright and be in control at that speed yes. is quite an incredible yeah thought isn't it 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, you get used to your own boat. So you know your own boat and your own driver. So then you're over competing in the World Championships, mm-hmm. representing Australia, but you have to have an Italian boat and an Italian driver. Who doesn't speak English. And, and who may not actually want Australia to win, I'm That's guessing. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, they, I think they were fairly fair. They were, okay. they were pretty good. good. Um, but, yes, it's very complex because ski racing is a team sport. Mm. Um, and it's it's your driver, your observer, and the skier, mm-hmm. and you work as one. And it can actually be quite daunting if you are not familiar with the boat driver, because you're not sure if if you want to go a bit slower, you don't know whether they're going to accept you wanting to go a bit slower, and yeah. that's when you can get hurt. Okay. And what does yeah. an observer do? The observer um, watches the skier the whole time and signals the driver to go faster or go slower. Or oh. take the corner a bit wider, um, sort of wow. directs traffic. He's your lifesaver, really. And how t- did did your observer speak English? Or? Oh yes, he was oh. my he was my observer from here. Oh okay, yeah. good, good. So he That's went over. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So at age twenty two, you go over to Italy and compete in the World Championships. Mm. Um, Please tell me you skied on Lake Como. I did ski on Lake Como. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the events were held. Wow. That would have been an incredible part, you know, of your life, uh, the memories and so forth. Oh, absolutely. Being able to ski on that lake. Yeah. And we actually, my my brother was on the team again too. So we actually went to Belgium first Mm -hmm. and skied some races there and they ski on the canals. Really? Yes, with the concrete sides. Let's do that here in Patterson Lakes. We could see you going up and down (laughs) the Pado Lakes canals. So that that was pretty an amazing experience yeah, where they wow. just crane the boats in and you you race on this canal and you yeah That's very close to other boats. Yeah, I've been to the canals in yeah. Belgium and like they're like Amsterdam. Have you been there? No, I've yeah. never. Uh, funny yeah. enough, you'd think living growing up in the UK, I would have been to parts of Europe, but no, yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's right. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's incredible. Yes. Mm. So um, let's go. Let's talking about the world championships. He came fourth. I did. Out of everybody in the whole wide world, yeah. you were fourth. How did that's an incredible feat? How did that feel? Yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? Thought I could have done better. She had to. Her yeah. brother came first. She had to come home <laughs> yeah. and face him. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, um, oh look, I was I was happy with it. Um, I just felt if I'd had more time and to be able to train and really put in that 110% that you need for a world. But, Mm. you know, it's hard when you're working full-time. Absolutely. And I have to say at the time I was teaching and my school were amazing and all the staff raised a lot of money to help me get over there. I was going to ask, how did you – you would again had to have funded all of this yourself. They – we were given a subsidy for, um, I think, flights and accommodation. Um, But, yeah, nowhere near enough. So my amazing teacher colleagues – um, ran all these fundraising events. That's amazing. Yeah, which was fabulous. And, got, and the school would have gotten behind you as well, you know. They Here's, did. You know, Miss is going off, Miss is going to go and race, you know, at, you know, in, in Italy with um, yeah. everybody else from around the world. Yeah, they were fabulous. <clears throat> I mean, that's an inc- I, I still think, you know, fourth is an incredible achievement. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, to even get there is an amazing yeah. achievement. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, um, yeah. you competed in the nationals and you won probably 10, 12... Uh, out of the 12 that you competed in was it different each time like did you get a little bit complacent each time of winning no never you can never get complacent yeah you just have to ski to the best of your ability Mm -hmm. and hope your boat boat holds out as well yeah um i've had some disappointments in nationals that's for sure Mm. um one of my the boat I was racing behind, we ran out of fuel in the last lap once. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, How can you run out of fuel? Yeah, I asked the same question. Oh, no. 
that so, would be terrible. And then sometimes the boat can break down. Um, yeah. You know, it's all mechanical mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, yeah you see, you're a team, aren't you? It's a whole team. That's it's right. the team effort. And not yeah. only that, they go at such great speeds, these boats. Yeah. You know, they, it would be easy for, for them to flip as well, wouldn't it? Oh, very rare. Okay. Very wow. rare. Sometimes I they're see them, you know, when they're flying along and they just seem like they're oh, about they jump to go a bit. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been lucky enough. I mean, you've travelled the world um, yeah. through the, your passion and love um, and appreciation of water skiing. Let's have a look. Mm. Japan, China, Singapore, Taiwan, the USA, across Europe. Um, what are some of your most memorable um, memorable memories? That's a dreadful question. <laughs> what are some of the most memorable parts of that you know, adventure for you? Um, I think... Um, the Asian countries, um, at that stage I was show skiing, so we did some pretty incredible shows in um, various parts of Asia, not just in Seoul. Um, memorable is skiing in China at the opening of a new theme park, which was on a lake. Oh, wow. Um, that was just fascinating with the te- lack of technology, as advanced mm-hmm. as China say they, they, well, they weren't then, so just the thousands of workers um, sleeping on site to get this park finished and we were there rehearsing for a while and uh, so that was an amazing experience. Uh, Taiwan, I loved Taiwan. The the people there are just beautiful um, and very friendly. We've skied in a typhoon once. In a typhoon? Um, yes. wow. Was that in Japan? <laughs> no, it was actually in um, Taiwan. Um, wow. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Harry? It was absolutely bucketing down rain and we're just trying to look <laughs> glamorous. Amazing, so the wind didn't funny. blow you away. <laughs> yeah. And so you were lucky enough to do all this travel as well with your husband too, who is obviously yes. a big, avid water skier as well as you. Absolutely. We... Um, he ran well. He was originally um, a ski racer. He was a tournament skier, ski racer, show skier out at Caribbean Gardens, and then um, he became the Victorian Water Ski Association president, and was running the ski racing events, um, nationals as well as state championships, and then he started the ski show team uh, in Melbourne, and that's how we started off with our. Lovely Patterson River. And after our next break, we're going to come yeah. to, come back and talk about all of, I guess, the things that you've done for the community. But I'm um, just um, um, curious, really. So when did you make the decision to kind of, this is it now, this is the end of no more competition water skiing for me? Um, I think I was about 28 when I stopped ski racing. I was tired. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I was physically tired um, and at that stage I was trying to do some show skiing as well as ski racing. So it was, it just was so hard with work as well. And I was starting to get a bit more senior at work um, in terms of roles and responsibilities. And I think I, I was physically just quite worn out, to yeah. be honest. The travel as much as the competing. And I think at the end of the day also ski racing is a very individual sport and I just wanted to work with a team of people mm. rather than just be on my own mm. competing. I can understand mm. that. So we're going to come back after the break and talk really about all the things that you've done in the community as well and how you um, you and your husband have made a huge contribution to um, water sports here in Patterson Lakes as well. But we're going, to, um, we're going to pick Tina Arena you've chosen next and Chains. So tell yeah. us a little bit about Tina and this song. Um, well, when we were going skiing all the time, we had a, a DVD of Tina Arena and we'd always sing along to this song in the car as we were travelling. I think it helped the, the hours to go by with our many miles on the road. So 
we really enjoy this song. Well, here it is. We can all enjoy it together this afternoon. This is Chains uh, by the wonderful Tina Arena. And you're listening to Radio Karam. It's my life with Karenza and Kim. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nice. IGA where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Welcome back and you are listening to It's My Life here on Radio Caram. And of course, that fabulous advert was for um, IGA in Seaford North, one of our awesome sponsors. Now, Kim, I know you also get your groceries there. I do. I usually drop the kids off at school and then off I go and get a few little bits and pieces nearly every other day. <laughs> That's right. So we've got to get behind and support all of our um Local sponsors. Well, we are chatting this afternoon here to Kerry Graham um, about her career in water skiing. And, you know, we've gone down memory lane. We've ended up at the World Championships. And then at 28, um, you know, um, you made that decision to retire. So having achieved so many highs in your sporting career, was it easy or hard to kind of transition away or out of competition? Um I think I was ready to to move on. Uh, One of the things that I really um, was lacking, I guess you could say, in in my um, ski racing was it's only your own little team, but you're not work. You're always against other females. Mm -hmm. Um, They're the opposition kind Mm. of thing. And I just felt I wanted to be able to work with other people um, and try something different. I couldn't give up skiing completely, so I had to have something to fall back on. <laughs> Wonderful. And you, and you um, I believe you went to SeaWorld and, and worked up there for 12 months? I did. I um, Once I started show skiing, um, I was offered a job up there. So um, I thought, yeah, why not? Let's get paid to ski for a change. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, big difference. That would have yeah. been a good lifestyle. So it while. was great fun. Yeah. A lot of fun, yes. Yeah. And like sport, you achieved some incredible highs in your career too, having been the school principal at various schools and also the head of the international school in Sharjah uh, and in the United Arab Emirates, mm. uh, which used the Victorian school curriculum. Did it really? Yeah, yeah. amazing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about these experiences and um, your leadership drive? Yeah, um, I, I think I've always been very strong-willed, which um, has held me in good stead through the years. And when I set my, my mind to something, I set a goal and I set out to achieve it. So I had worked out um, that I had when I hit a certain age, I had to be, whether it was a leading teacher or an assistant principal or a principal, and I always sort of reached those um, goals that I'd set for myself. So, but um, yeah, the UAE was an incredible experience. Um, we only got back at the end of 2018. Oh, wow. So I was over there for four years. Um, and the funny story, though, is my husband and I have been talking about maybe working overseas uh, somewhere. I didn't know where, but we knew it had to have water. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, oh, I've seen this job advertisement for Dubai. What do you think about Dubai? We've never been there. Um, and he said, well, let's look at it on the map. And we saw all these waterways. So we thought, oh, well, you've got to be able to ski. So um, I was interviewed and then they flew me over for a second interview. And when I saw our, the apartment that we'd have, looking out over this magnificent ski lake, I said, went home and said, we're off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's an amazing place. I think anything is possible mm. in Dubai. I Absolutely. Think that, you know, it's an amazing place. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I love Dubai. Um, stunning. Um, and so you said that um, at the international school there were sixty-eight. I think Kim, you said there were sixty-eight different nationalities mm. at the school, which really is. I mean, Dubai is very cosmopolitan, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. people from all around the world. Yeah, interesting place to live as well. I would think you know because some of the laws and rules are quite different. It's strict around yeah. alcohol, for example, and especially in Sharjah, which is quite different to Dubai. It's an emirate, a bit like New South Wales versus, compared to Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no alcohol in Sharjah at mm. all, um, but you could go to the police station and get a permit, um, wow. which enabled you to go into another emirate to purchase um, alcohol to take back to your apartment. Okay. But no restaurants or anywhere. No, it's a different. It's a Could very, very alcohol. different world, isn't it? Very much so. And again, that yeah. I guess that sense of adventure for you too, looking and see, that thrill-seeking, going somewhere different and yep. doing something different. Absolutely. So we're talking about like your commitment to the local community. I mean, you've been now um, principal for three different schools. Yes. Which is a huge, yeah. huge thing. So I mean, you set those goals, but then you reach them. Yeah. It must be hard being the principal. Like the buck stops with you and. It does, it does. Um, I guess it's just something you either want to do or you don't want to do it. Um, But, yeah, when I got back from overseas, though, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, It's just got really, really difficult now to be a principal, really challenging. Um, And I think I've sort of put in that 17 years of leadership. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was looking for another change, so... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it would be very hard, I reckon, to be a high school principal or any school principal at the moment with um, COVID as well and all the COVID challenges. Absolutely. You read a lot about um, school principals doing their own contact tracing. and yeah. Oh, they have to, yes. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty full on. Yeah. Pretty full on. Yeah. So water skiing, it's never been out of your life. I mean, we were just saying in the break, oh. you know, what are you doing for Christmas? And can you guess the answer? Yes, water skiing. Going skiing. Yes, so it's never been out of your life. Let's no. talk about what you, what you, I guess, you guys did here in Patterson Lakes. Yeah. Um, well, when my uh, husband started the, the ski, sh- ski show division of the Victorian Water Ski Association, um, we advertised during Moomba, they used to have a, a, a show at night to entertain um, all of the people that came to watch the water skiing. And they used to bring across an American team um, to do the shows and my husband said he was directing the shows but he said we've got enough skiers in Victoria to be able to do our own so they advertised and um, we had tryouts down at your lawn one winter and then we needed somewhere to train so we'd selected all of these really good skiers and um, we ended up at Patterson River <laughs> on cool. the um, on the Carum side of the bridge um, Right through winter, I remember one day it was seven degrees and we were skiing there, training through the winter because we had to put a show together ready for Moomba and various shows that have been booked around Victoria. So just up and down the Patterson? Up and down Patterson river. and the problem was it's tidal on that side. Yeah, so is. sometimes the boat would hit the bottom and if you're on the top of the pyramid, the whole pyramid would go crashing down into the water. That would be such so, a great view, sit on the banks of the Pado River and watch that. Yeah, so um, and then when they built the other side um, – we managed to build a clubhouse there and um, train there. So that's the National Water Sports The National side. Water Sports Centre, yeah. Fantastic. It was The Water Sports Centre was originally built for rowing for mm. um, world competition, basically. They wanted a world-class mm-hmm. um, yes. rowing um, facility. The problem was the river ran the wrong way. So you get all the southerlies off the bay, there's three-foot chop running down there. So it wasn't very successful for rowing. Um so they couldn't use it 
as easily for competitiveness. So they were happy for us to to be able to use the river. It's incredible, isn't it? Because you think about that, how that kind of 360 degree turn is. You know, there you were as a young young kid competing in a sport with nothing and nowhere. And now here you are as an influencer creating something that other young people behind you coming up into this sport actually now have somewhere to go and to train and yep. um, to flourish and do yep. all of those things. The show's still going um, and they still train down there. Yeah. Not as amazing. much as they used to, but... I think the time commitment's not quite there that it used to be, but yes, we were there all year training. Wow, yeah, we've so. seen the show a couple of times. They, they, we obviously with COVID, I don't know whether they've been no. skiing a lot, but no. um, you know, the years past, I've seen uh, quite a few of those shows. And talking about shows, Moomba, you spoke about Moomba. Mm. Was it like skiing at your, in your hometown? Oh, fantastic! Um, huge crowds in those days. Yeah. We would do twelve nights of shows. Um, probably the highlight of that was performing for the Queen. Queen wow. Elizabeth. Oh no way! Yeah, they. She came um, on the royal little barge boat, yep. and um, they had built a grandstand for her, and we put on a show for her. For her so royal that, highness. Yeah. Wow! So that was pretty amazing. What Fantastic. haven't you done? That's just yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, you'd love that being English. <clears throat> I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, talking. It's incredible thinking about Moomba as well, obviously, because you know you've been, as Kim said, heavily involved in all of that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's important, isn't it, I think, you know, to give back when you've learned something and got something. So I'm curious, you know, I mean, for people listening today, people who are thinking about a career in sport, even as an amateur, you know, which is you have to fund it and do it yourself, you know, especially. What advice would you give? And in particular as well, I think, for young women too, because I think we know that um, perhaps sport might be considered as less glamorous sometimes um, for females. And there's no doubt for for women in sport, it is very, very challenging. Um, Most sports are considered a male um, and I certainly grew up in ski racing, it being a male sport. Um, You know, often I'd be staying in places and they're nearly all men Mm. because the wives wouldn't go to the boys you know time away for their ski racing boys do ski racing so um, you really have to just stick up for yourself speak up for yourself and just have that determination and you can achieve anything you set your mind to but you've really got to have that positive thought that you can do it Mm. Um, and supportive people behind you as well if your family is supportive of what you're doing or your partner or yeah, absolutely um, you can't you know, do it alone you can't do it alone absolutely i think that's Not. important isn't yeah it? very it important is. well thank yeah. you you have been a tremendous guest this afternoon um on it's my life so you've been listening to radio karen where we have talked today to kerry ritchie about her amazing career in sport her career in water skiing at the highest level in australia as well as representing Australia as a member of the national team at the World Championships. Uh, The Olympic Games opening ceremony, we could go on and on and on, couldn't we, Kim? Absolutely. It's been an incredible journey uh, in water sports and one that clearly still has a very long way to go if your Christmas plans are anything to go by. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) still skiing. (laughs) Still skiing. So we're going to go out with one of your last song choices and uh, what a fitting one as well, Queen and We Are the Champions. Tell us a bit about this one. Yep. Um, There's a little bit of a story to that. Um, I After uh, the last lockdown, I've gone back to teaching and I teach refugee children um, in a primary school. And um, when we came back from remote learning for their challenges because they didn't have very strong English, I played this song for them when they walked in the classroom door on the first day and they were laughing and dancing and they were just so happy to be back at school. I bet they will. That's wonderful. There's no doubt that you are an absolute superstar and a champion and it's been wonderful 
talking to you this Thank afternoon. You. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Kim. Real stories. Real stories. Real people. I just can't believe it. It was one of the most exciting times of my life. It's just, I just can't believe that it happened to me. Me winning the lottery. I just can't believe it. Real stories. Real stories. Real people. Winning the premiership was awesome. Felt great holding the truth. So it happened when I was 15 and it was pretty scary at the time, but you know, looking back, I, I think I learned a lot.